If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right, all right, all right. Well, you're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. Yes, I am your host, Todd Huff. Email, as always, well, at least since we changed the email address uh, some time ago, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. I guess you can still email Todd at ToddHuffRadio.com, but it's Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Questions, opinions, thoughts. All that sort of stuff. Make it count, though. Make it count when you send in those emails. I do my best to respond. There's also a contact form on the website where I hear uh, hear from folks uh, as well. So whatever the case, uh, we welcome hearing from you and we welcome you to the program here on this snowy morning in central central Indiana, where we are. Um, you may be listening and it may be 85. I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to hear if it's 85 and sunny where you are. Do not email me that because that's only going to put me in a bad mood for the rest of the day. But it's good to be here. Thanks for joining us. Hope you had a great weekend. Here we are the last, what is it, the last full week. The last full week before uh, the, uh, the week of Christmas. So lots of things as normal to get into. But I want to I wanna start... There's a couple of things I want to make sure we get to today, but I want to start with James Comey, his interview on Fox News. Trump's not very happy about Fox actually hosting this um, this interview with Comey and with Shifty Schiff, as he likes to call him, but we'll talk about that. I also want to talk about the Democrat who is apparently who is apparently changing parties, right? This is... Uh, this is being reported. This is being reported. It hasn't been officially announced yet, but there are reports that he will be he will be leaving the Democrat Party and becoming a Republican over impeachment. That's the that's the story anyway. This is Representative Van Drew from the state of New Jersey. He's looking to switch parties. You know, it's funny to me. It, it is a little bit funny to me as I as I think about this because the Democrats when they set out on this impeachment escapade officially the idea was that they would be getting rid of one Republican president. And at this point in the process, of course, the radical left Thought that Trump would have had have been uh, would have been ushered out of the White House in handcuffs or in his orange jumpsuit again, not to be confused with Hillary's orange pantsuit. But at this point, all they apparently have uh, 
is one Democrat congressman less, which is fantastic to me, by the way, that this, that this is the way that this uh, is playing out. They try to get rid of a Republican president. Instead, they push one of their own Democrat congressmen to the Republican Party. Some are suggesting there might be others or questioning, raising the question whether there will be others as well. Others are blowing this off as uh, someone who's suffering from internal polling problems, not a good candidate, doesn't give the Democrats what they want in the state of New Jersey, and so his only hope is to go to the uh, to the Republican Party. So this is the the battle for the narrative and so forth. But that is a reality, a consequence, you could say, of the impeachment process is now that there is one less Democrat congressman, at least they're supposed to be based upon reports, and there'll be one more uh, one more Republican. And by the way, there's still a Republican in the White House, just just for the record. But I want to start here. I want to start with Comey. I want to start with Comey on Fox News yesterday, talking with talking with uh, Chris Wallace. Now we talked about Chris Wallace last week. Chris Wallace, um, of course, last week was complaining, or we talked about this, how Trump was so dangerous to the First Amendment. Trump was launching this uh, nonstop assault on the First Amendment, on the media. This is, of course, relatively common uh, sort of refrain from the left and from the media. And, of course, to that I say that's just plain silliness. Trump may be attacking what the media is specifically doing, but that's dramatically different from saying the media can't do it. In fact, it's dramatically different from saying the media shouldn't do it. It's when the president stops the media from engaging in free press activities. That is when there, of course, is a problem. When the, when the, when the government, could be the military too, but the government, the military, using their positions of power to silence the media. That's not what's happening. In fact, if that was what's happening, what, what, what is happening, Trump wouldn't tweet out uh, what, he tweeted, <laughs> what he tweeted out yesterday, which is Fox is trying – well, I'll read the whole tweet. Hard to believe that Fox News will be interviewing sleazebag and totally discredited former FBI director James Comey and also corrupt politician Adam Shifty Schiff. Fox is trying so hard. That's got three O's. S-O-O-O. So hard to be politically correct, and yet they were totally shut out from the failed dim debates. That's a tweet. Now, if, if this was really a problem, there wouldn't be a tweet that said this. No, there would be no interview. And see, there was an interview. Because I'm going to play sound bites from this interview. In fact, I want to start at the very, very beginning of this interview. Again, Trump is upset. And I want to pause, too, before I play this part of the interview. I, I disagree with the president here. I think this, this is exactly what, it's exactly what the media should be, uh, I mean, engaging in. As, as far as it pertains to actually asking questions, which by my estimation, Chris Wallace did here, at least in part, Right, I mean, this wasn't just a platform for for Comey to come up and to say whatever he wanted. Although there's certainly that. These look, when you interview somebody, 
somebody like a James Comey. These folks are trained at messaging. Like you ever wonder if you're watching an interview and you hear someone not answer the question and you're sitting there perplexed thinking, did the guy even hear the question? What's this guy talking about? It's because they don't care about addressing the question. What they care about, what they care about is advancing their narrative. That's what they care about. This is how they're trained. This is how they're schooled. This is why they use talking points. This, by the way, is the reason that I don't do short interviews. I, I do as few of them as possible because, because that is, I think, harmful to the overall ability for people to understand the real issue. Even if it's something that you disagree with, even if it's something I had lunch on lunch last week with someone that we didn't agree on a lot of things politically. But I tell you what, when we sat and talked with one another, we could at least understand where we were coming from. I still don't think that the conclusions he was coming to were correct in many instances, although I understand what he's thinking. It's just an erroneous set of conclusions or giving the government too much authority or whatever, power, discretion, too much credit instead of, instead, um, instead of choosing the private sector right for for solutions and so forth anyway but the point is that comes out through listening and a depth of understanding that does not come from a series of talking points because see the talking points are designed to be kind of quick hitters the talking points are designed to avoid the necessity of getting into something with any any depth now this is a 15 or so minute interview we can't play the whole thing I wouldn't even dream of doing that. But I do want to play parts of this with James Comey. And I do want to disagree with the president on this. I think I think this is exactly what Fox News should be doing. Although I also understand what the president is saying, which is, which is, you know, you give these folks the media at large gives these folks a lot a lot of um, you know, a, a big platform and they don't push back ever. And that's not what happened here, in my estimation, with Chris Wallace, even though he was out there saying some things over the course of last week that I thought were completely preposterous, with Trump assaulting the media and the First Amendment being at risk and at threat and so forth. Anyway, that being said, I want to play play this interview, play some parts of this interview with uh, between Chris Wallace of Fox News, James Comey, former director of the FBI. He was there, of course, when the FBI was in this mess with the FISA warrants with Carter Page and the Hillary Clinton emails and all that kind of stuff, as you well know. So here you go. James Comey sits down with Chris Wallace. This is going to be the first couple of minutes of their conversation, and then we're going to have to jump uh, jump to a break. But I want to start by playing this soundbite, this opening segment uh, between Wallace and Comey. Here you go. course the stupid thing this has done this the last couple of times i'm gonna take a break i hate to do this take a break when we get back all it's all queued up it's just not a little technical glitch here so we'll pick this up the interview between comey and chris wallace after the break you're listening to the home of conservative not better talk i'm your host todd huff back in just a minute So, apologize for that. I've been 
playing this soundbite all during the break. So this thing better, better work. But with no further ado, I will I played this uh, bit of an interview between segment, a clip, a few sound bites of this interview between Chris Wallace, Fox News, James Comey, former FBI director. We'll talk about this, but um, I want to want to play this for you. So here you go. You have been taking something of a victory lap since the IG report was released earlier this week. The question is whether or not it's justified. Here are you and the inspector general, Michael Horowitz, answering the same question. Do you think this is vindication? It is. I mean, the FBI's had to wait two years while the president and his followers lied about the institution. Finally, the truth gets told. Does your report vindicate Mr. Comey? It doesn't vindicate anyone at the FBI who touched this, including the leadership. All right, really quickly. So there's two pieces there, right? So Chris Wallace shares sound bites. Actually, these are video um, sound bites as well, um, where he's uh, Anderson Cooper asks Comey about vindication. That was the first segment. The second is uh, when uh, Michael Horowitz sitting before uh, giving his committee's report last, I guess, a couple of uh, couple of weeks ago now, where he was maybe last week, he was asked about whether this vindicated anyone from from the FBI, and he said this didn't vindicate anybody, including including leadership. So that's what that part was all about. So he's he's asking Comey to articulate and explain because it. It appears like that's not at all that's not at all what Horowitz is saying, right? So this is what Comey's response is. The IG says you should feel no vindication. Well maybe it turns upon how we understand the word. What I mean is that the FBI was accused of treason of illegal spying, of tapping Mr. Trump's wires illegally, of opening an investigation without justification, of being a criminal conspiracy to unseat, defeat, and then unseat a president. All of that was nonsense. I think it's really important that the inspector general looked at that and that the American people, your viewers and all viewers, understand that's true. But he also found things that we were never accused of, which is real sloppiness. And that's concerning. As I've said all along, has to be focused on. If I were director, I'd be very concerned about it and diving into it. Well, okay. So first part of that answer is it all depends. It sounds remarkably similar, uh, similar to what Bill Clinton said back in, what, 97, when he was facing questions regarding to impeachment, uh, well, questions that led to his eventual impeachment, when he told the world, told Americans that I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky, right? When he did that, wagged his finger at the camera, got that all pitiful look. It's like Nancy Pelosi got the sad look from, from Bill Clinton circa 1997. Then he goes on to tell us it all depends on your definition of is. It all depends what your definition of is is. Remember this? Remember this? We're talking about the definition of the word is in impeachment proceedings. But I guess it depends... James Comey says here, on what your definition of vindication is. Because what he's saying is, look, the Trump administration and others on the Republican side, the conservative uh, 
you know, talkers, conservative opinion folks and so forth have basically told us that this was an effort by the FBI to target a president, to get involved in an election, and to target a campaign for politically motivated reasons. That's what we're being vindicated for. Of course, this other stuff is just sloppiness, right? Sloppiness. And we'll get into that in a moment as Comey continues with his explanation. Keep in mind that I think it's very, very important to pause as you're listening to these responses or his his answers and so forth. I think it's incredibly important to pause and to remember before this guy ever steps in front of a camera, the enti- that they spend countless hours prepping. Word selection is very, very, very precise. They have consultants. They have experts. They have communication people. They go into these, you know, they, they want us to believe that Trump was in some dimly lit room with Putin and the Kremlin, basically, cooking up this concocted plan as to how they would steal the election from Hillary. When in reality, what these folks are doing, what these folks are doing are going back into, I, I'm going to say they're dimly lit. They, these, these rooms have to be dimly lit. There can't be a lot of light in these rooms where these folks are going in to concoct these, uh, these, these messages and so forth. But they go into these, these, these rooms with consultants and communications experts, and they talk about how to answer these questions. They probably even have focus groups on some of these, for all we know. Would not surprise me in the least. That sort of thing happens. They want to see the reactions that people have based upon each response. Should you be, should you be angry? Should you be contrite? Should you just admit something and move on and then say, well, it proves you know, it demonstrates X that we were sloppy. Sloppy is the word now. We were sloppy, but it doesn't indicate that we were. Uh, you know, we we are vindicated, right? And that's and that's the 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 word of the day as it pertains to uh, this IG report. But that's not entirely true. What the IG report said was that the standard is so low. Improving and demonstrating and arguing that there was something inappropriate going on. Horowitz said, I didn't, there's really no way for me ever to say that about virtually any particular scenario that, that's come up here in this kind of you know related uh, series of events and so forth. There's nothing, I can't say that it's lower than the bar because the bar is too low. So he didn't say vindication. Right? That's, I don't think that's what the message is here. I understand why Comey wants that to be the case. That seems a lot more pleasant than, than saying I haven't really been vindicated because the bar is so low. But that's what he's out there saying. Depends what your definition of, of vindication is. But it's clear the, AG, or the, the IG report and the inspector general, Michael Horowitz, said that I was not out there. The FBI was not targeting a campaign, not trying to get politically involved. That's what I mean, says Comey, when talking about vindication. Of course, that's not what the report found. In fact, we have this secondary report that will come hopefully sometime in our lives, <laughs> this Durham report, that they've come out on the record, Durham, and of course so has uh, A.G. Barr. They've come out on the record and said that they disagree with the conclusions drawn, drawn by uh, – Inspector General uh, Inspector General Horowitz's report. Sorry, I'm getting some sort of a 
notification over here from Oz. I do not know what she's trying to indicate to me. Thought she was telling me it's a break. It's not time for a break. She thinks this is funny. Okay, so anyway, going to continue this. I thought we were going to take a break and continue this after the next time out, but we don't. We're going to continue what Comey uh, says here. Wallace follows up to that response, kind of pushes back a little bit. Again, part of the reason I disagree with President Trump's assessment as to what should and whether or not Fox should have had Comey on. I'm glad. I mean, this is the only – where else is this going to happen, by the way? These other interviews that that he's out making the, the runs and, you know, uh, getting on different networks and uh, different different places. Who else pushes back seriously like like this? And I'm not saying it got super heavy, but Wallace does push back. Here, case in point is this next little little exchange here. Here, here it continues. Sloppiness may be a, a euphemism for what it is he found. One of his big concerns is the way the FBI handled the FISA applications and the warrants that you were allowed you to surveil. Carter Page, who was a former foreign policy advisor to the Trump campaign. Again, here is what you said about the FISA process and what the Inspector General Horowitz said this week. Take a look. I have total confidence that the FISA process was followed and that the entire case was handled in a thoughtful, responsible way by DOJ and the FBI. We identified significant inaccuracies and omissions in each of the four applications, seven in the first application and a total of 17 by the final renewal application. Seventeen significant errors in the FISA process, and you say that it was handled in a thoughtful and appropriate way. Yeah, he's right. I was wrong. I was overconfident in the procedures that the FBI and Justice had built over 20 years. I thought they were robust enough. It's incredibly hard to get a FISA. I was overconfident in those because he's right. There was real sloppiness. 17 things that either should have been in the applications or at least discussed and characterized differently. It, it was not acceptable. And so he's right. I was wrong. But you make it sound like you're uh, uh... I want to pause there. There's a little bit more I want to get to. But he's awfully quick to admit that, right? He's right. I'm wrong. I put so much confidence, so much confidence in the things that we had built over the 20 years. I thought I thought that we had a basically a foolproof system. I thought that everything that we touched would be handled appropriately, you know, and it's just we didn't do that. We were sloppy. 17, folks. <laughs> 17 errors. On something – again, keep in mind who we're dealing with here. We're dealing – we're talking with the former director of the FBI, former director of the FBI. This guy is supposed to be really methodical, right? And as Chris Wallace pushes back here, he says, you almost talk about this as though you're a casual observer. This is just something happening just that has nothing to do with you. You're the one actually directing this. This ultimately all has to do with you. I'm not blaming you personally. He, he might want to throw in there, but listen, this is your FBI. This is your FBI. You just told me that you built a system for 20 years. That that you know, it's taking you 20 years to put together this system. You're telling me how hard it is to get a FISA warrant. By the way, one of the things we know about a FISA warrant is is that if if the FBI goes or whoever goes to request one, they're almost always granted, and then you can find out really nothing. Even if you're the person that's had the FISA issued against you, you really can't find out anything about it, right? What do you mean this is incredibly hard to get? When, they, when they're asked, when they're requested, they're almost always granted, 
almost always. What in the world is this guy talking about? Maybe, maybe he's meaning that, you know, with their own internal checks and balances, we have to have so much evidence and so much, uh, I don't know, suggestion of, of wrongdoing or things to be alarmed with before we even consider taking this before a FISA, a FISA judge that it's hard to get. But once they take it before the judge, folks, this is almost a, a, a certainty. It's almost guaranteed. Anyway, there's more of this I want to share and talk about. But this is, again, he's trying to get out in front of this. He's trying to rewrite uh, to some degree what this report tells us, which is he's not vindicated. In fact, there's lots of questions. It's just that Horowitz says I can't really uh, – the, the bar has been set so low as to what what could be deemed as appropriate action. That bar is so so close to the you know starting point at ground level that it's really hard to say that anything didn't get there. And so – Wait until the Durham report. I think we'll find out a lot more, <clears throat> a lot more uh, things, <laughs> a lot more uh, inter- a different interpretation, if you will. Let's say that way, a different interpretation from what we've seen here in I.G. Horowitz's report. This is by no means over. We've got a long, long, long way to go on this. I just hope it won't take that long to get there, but I have a feeling it's going to take some more time. I also have a feeling that it's time to now take and stop, uh, stop and take another time out, which I will do here, and we'll get back and continue this and move into a couple of other things that I want to get to today. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Be, be, by the way, be careful out there today, especially with the snow and so forth. Listening can, in fact, cause you to lean and, yes, even veer your vehicle to the right back in just a minute. Welcome back. Talking about this interview that James Comey had with Chris Wallace of Fox News, and I have to tell you, for the, you think about this, just <laughs> think about this for a moment. Think about how much, how much the narrative in this entire uh, impeachment, Russian collusion story, this this whole thing with Comey going back to 2016, the IG report. Think about how much. Think about how much the narrative has had to have changed, right? We had we had people mocking people who said that the FBI was acting inappropriately. They were acting pretty arrogantly and condescendingly, I think. Comey, at least. I'm talking about the you – know, think, think about the behaviors. Think about Peter Strzok. Think about Lisa Page. Think about Bruce Orr. Think about Nellie Orr. Think about Andrew McCabe. Think about this, especially Peter Strzok, which in my estimation, he epitomizes, he epitomizes complete uh, condescension. I've never seen a more, I, I, I don't recall seeing a witness take the stand in Congress that was more condescending to both the representatives questioning them and the American people than Peter Strzok. I'm not saying they don't exist, but I can't think of one. Uh, who comes to mind that surpasses his level of, of arrogance and condescension. 
And now you, you go from that point, right? You go from that point where it was a joke, it was laughable, it was a conspiracy theory. By the way, you know who the conspiracy theorists are? It's the left. It's the folks who are peddling this impeachment nonsense. That's who. That's who the conspiracy theorists are in this, uh, in this day and age. And so for the narrative to have switched so much, so much for Comey to utter the words, I was wrong. He almost says it nonchalantly, tries to move on, move past it. But you think about this, for Comey to say, to say the words, I was wrong. I was wrong. And folks, we haven't even hit, we haven't even hit the point at which we're going to find out the real level of problems with what Comey uh, Comey and his FBI had done, at least according to what we're hearing so far from Durham. I think this is ironic. I think this is funny. Actually, I would say this is hilariously funny, if I'm being honest with you, to watch these folks. Remember, just the the whole evolution of this is, is hilarious to me. We had Trump before the 2016 election say the election was fixed. It was rigged. People lost their mind about this. How dare a candidate for president of the United States put this level of doubt in the minds of the American voter calling into question our the integrity of our elections? <gasps> How dare he do this? And so within a few short weeks or months later, they're saying the same thing. Not only do they say that thing, They've got – they use the full weight of the, of the FBI, right? They've, they've got people within the FBI that are trying to use their power to actually do the things that Trump, Trump warned about. The cat was out of the bag that they actually had done effectively, say wire Trump, – Trump said wiretapping, but they were spying on, not necessarily old-fashioned wiretapping, but the, the truth is still there. They were trying to – get involved with the communication process between the Trump campaign and whoever, right? Because they're protecting the integrity of the election. Something that something that was happening that when Trump said it was a problem, everyone mocked and made fun of and said it was dangerous. Although this this all was happening at the same time. All this stuff was happening at the same time. Carter Page being spied upon, yes, spied upon. The question is whether or not it's justifiable and legal, which, of course, uh, the IG report came short of saying it was an abuse of power, but they certainly didn't exonerate or vindicate Comey and the FBI for what they did. You think about the, the amount, the, um, the, 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 the distance. You think about this turn in the narrative to where Comey's actually now uttering the words he was wrong. But these these were mistakes, right? This was uh, mess ups. These were screw ups. These were they're not acceptable, but they weren't intentional. It's a series of missteps. And again, as I as I listen to this and watch this, I realize there's an entire group of people who are clamoring for more government, who are clamoring for more rules. Here we have Comey telling us on Fox News he thought his system of oversight was impeccable, perfect. 
He never even considered questioning that there could be a misstep. How could there be a misstep? These are my my thoughts turned into policy. Boom, problem solved, right? No problem to be concerned with here. My thoughts on paper, the FBI agents will follow this as a checklist, and this is a, a foolproof solution, right? Now we got more people wanting more government and more aspects of our lives, more checklists that are developed by the likes of James Comey, who apparently are better than the rest of us, coming up with ideas and solutions that lead to 17 significant errors and so forth. Sometimes downright downright lies, which I consider more than a mistake. Anyway, got to take a break here. When we get back, I want to shift gears and look at the politics of all this, but uh, right now... Time to take a time out. So we'll get back. We'll talk about the politics, especially of this Democrat representative. Again, I I love this. I love this. Democrats set out in their impeachment quest to remove a Republican president. And so far to date, all they have done is remove one Democrat representative. We'll talk about that when we return. You're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. So, so we've got Democrats who have been on this uh, insatiable quest for impeachment, right? This insatiable quest for impeachment, and how they sought out, or I guess they their their objective was the end of one Republican president's term, Donald J. Trump. Right? They've been dreaming about this for a long, long time, long time. And so they thought they finally had the goods, or at least they could politically make the goods work. And so Nancy Pelosi does whatever she does. She feigns being upset, maybe even uh, takes some acting classes and conjures up a couple of tears. And except now we find that the only only result so far with this impeachment inquiry is that they've actually lost a – Democrat, a Democrat congressman. So it's not a Republican president that they've lost, gotten rid of. Instead, it is a <laughs> Democrat congressman. I, I, this is fantastic to me. So we have this Democrat uh, representative from New Jersey. Representative Van Drew, who now is apparently – he talked with Trump on Friday and has talked about leaving the party over over impeachment. <clears throat> His name is Jeff Van Drew. He's considering switching parties <laughs> over, over this impeachment saga. Of course, Democrats are now out there saying, well – you know, this guy, he's he's polling poorly amongst Democrats. In fact, I think I saw a poll, or at least they cited a poll, where 58% of Democrats wanted, in New Jersey, wanted a different candidate than this guy. 58%. I think th- something like 30-some 30, 30 percent wanted him 
to be the continued candidate. This was just Democrat uh, voters. Now, he replaced someone in his district who ran, who was a congressman for 12 years, excuse me, 12 terms, who was a Republican. And so this particular district is, uh, you know, red. And so the question is, how popular is impeachment in this particular district? Not very. So when I look at this, you know, remember, remember this. Remember the Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, they're out there telling us, we want our members, we want the Democrat caucus to vote their conscience. Remember uh, remember when Nadler said that they would, uh, when he called an abrupt end to the meeting and then had the, the vote move to Friday for the cameras, right? We talked about this last week. I think we talked about it on Friday. Had the... Um, the House Judiciary Committee's vote for, you know, moving the articles of impeachment out of the judiciary into the into the full House. He said um, that he wanted people to vote vote their conscience. And when this is said, it's often said with a little bit of, you know, uh, almost a little bit of shaking finger, you know, wagging their finger at you. You better vote your conscience. Oh. We don't want to have to come after you for being someone who defends this clearly dangerous, erratic, indefensible behavior, right? We don't want you to have, we don't want you to be that person. We want people to vote their conscience. We're not telling people how to vote. Bull that is, that is, I am telling you, you, the more that they proclaim that as being accurate, the more that you should believe the exact opposite is the truth because that's not what's happening. And as a result, this guy, this guy's probably left with no option. This guy is probably saying, look, I can't, I can't vote for this and win. If I vote against it, I have, I have to face Nancy Pelosi. She's going to punish me. So the only choice I really have if I want to be a relevant member in the House of Representatives is to be a Republican. That's what I think about this. Anyway. Got to wrap up here for the day. Time is running out, dwindling away quickly. You're listening to The Home Conservative, not Bitter Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. So the House is set. The House is set to... Vote on the two articles of impeachment this week. They're set to vote on that in the full house. And of course, there's all sorts of predictions, all sorts of, uh, I don't know, just, you know, experts are telling us what to, uh, what to expect from this. And I, it's important to a point, I suppose. But to me, I wish, I wish folks, conservative folks, would spend less time on trying to predict things and more time on trying to persuade people to the ideas of constitutional conservatism. I think we'd be much, much better served. But that being said, we've got this, um, we're at this point to where, you know, there are serious questions as to whether there will be defectors in the House of Representatives who are Democrats. I think we can expect some. Reports are that the Democrats themselves expect up to five, which could mean a few more. But the truth is it's probably going to pass the House, go to the full Senate, and we need to start asking what's going to happen next. 
Yes, we can ask about Romney and Murkowski and Susan Collins, but as I read an article the other day, read an opinion piece the other day, we need to think about terms of Republicans that are up for re-election in the purple states. But I've got to go, guys. As always, appreciate you listening. SDG. See you tomorrow. Take care.